Alta Vista and, and uh, Lycos were there first, but Google was better. You have to be fast, but you don't have to be first. You have to be convenient. You don't have to be perfect. You are now connected with Enclave for Entrepreneurs at O'Hare International Airport in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Enclave O'Hare, the local to global learning and earning center for entrepreneurs and their influencers. On March 20th, 2019, our topic of discussion was intrapreneurship. The idea of being entrepreneurial inside a large, established organization. Our guest was Owen Youngman. Knight Professor of Digital Media Strategy for Northwestern University. Youngman enjoyed a 37-year career at the Chicago Tribune, focusing on new product development, innovation, and interactive media. Listen in as we take a dive into Owen's journey of converting a globally recognized news source, printing papers since 1847, to the digital world we all know so well today. I'm Owen Youngman. Uh, I'm a professor and the Knight Chair of Digital Media Strategy at Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism, Media, Integrated Marketing Communications. I've been there for a little over 10 years. Before that, I was at the Chicago Tribune for 37 years where I started the internet business and did a fair amount of other project management and change management. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. And tonight's uh, title was Between the Idea and the Reality Falls the Shadow. And, and um, I'll go ahead and be the first to say that it was an excellent uh, presentation tonight and conversation. Uh, so thank you for coming by. Tonight was a big part of tonight was your what we'll call entrepreneurial journey within the Chicago Tribune. And I, I think it's pretty important for our listeners for us to allow you to kind of paint that picture for them, for anybody who might not have been here tonight. So can you kind of just, I guess, at a high level, talk about some of the things that you went through from a business standpoint, and if you could please incorporate how those feelings, you know, came about, you know, from your standpoint personally. Uh, entrepreneurship is an interesting term that Gifford Pinchot um, says that he and his wife invented in a paper he wrote in the 70s or 80s, but it's essentially being an entrepreneur, obviously, inside an existing enterprise. And that's really what all of us who were trying to take news organizations onto the internet were charged with doing, building organizations that could respond to new market realities, new audiences, and do it while the existing business was still healthy enough and well-managed enough and profitable enough to allow it to pour millions of dollars into what was essentially at the time an R&D project. Mm -hmm. And so I had, as the director of interactive media at the Chicago Tribune, I had all the functions that report to the publisher of a newspaper working for me. I had a marketing department, an advertising department, a technology department, an editorial department, uh, a finance department, and we had to do what the parent company did, which was present news and information and advertising in a way that provided value 
to an identifiable audience and to do it in a way that helped us to understand this new thing and uh, how we could survive. And so I, I tried to, I did that in a lot of ways, some of which I discussed tonight. I looked for ways to, to scale. I looked for ways to increase our reliability. I looked for ways to move our brand from the printed newspaper to the internet, took advantage of, of deals that the Tribune had. So that one year when Michael Jordan was playing for the Bulls above center court at Chicago Stadium, there was just a, there were four banners that said chicago.tribune.com. Mm-hmm. They introduced those thousands of people <laughs> to the fact that there was an internet and the Tribune was on it. Yeah. For me, the thing that it was sounded like a reoccurring theme, and especially with entrepreneurship, is you are, and, and I, the phrase you used tonight was, you're, you're blasting a hole into a ship, and you need to be very careful that you're doing that above the waterline opposed to below. Can you, can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, that's a metaphor, again, that comes from Gifford Pinchot. And the idea is that almost anything that you're going to do in a, in a new business venture that treads on some of the turf of an existing one is going to affect the business model and affect uh, people who are already working there. Um, can you ascertain this is an experiment we need to do that will tamper with a part of the, of the enterprise that won't cause the boat to sink? if Mm -hmm. we're wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it's not going to cause the boat to sink, if it's not going to cause the business to founder or fail, go ahead and do it. But better be darn sure that you're right if you're going to do something fundamental that challenges the business model in a way that's below the waterline, where if you get it wrong, you're going to take on water and find yourself on the bottom of Lake Michigan or something even (laughs) deeper. Yeah. I I think I, I... Uh, working at, for a technology company today. And one of the things that I consistently communicate with folks, a lot of them be uh, entrepreneurs and business owners or their influencers, is that, you know, no company, whether the size, you know, maybe it be, you know, a Chicago Tribune, a behemoth, or just a news industry in general is, uh, is you know, better than the industry forces that are acting upon them, right? The market forces that are changing. Uh, and, and some of the things that I picked up on tonight was your conversations about the executives and maybe some disdain of the current journalists and the current folks that were within the company uh, towards your new kind of organization because it was almost like potentially uh, cannibalizing, right, the, 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 the old way of doing business. Can you talk about handling with and maybe even reflecting now what would be your advice to how to help somebody understand to deal with the emotions of saying, hey, listen, I know that this isn't something we've done this way for a very long time. But the reality is that this is going to change. And it's not me that's necessarily doing it. I'm just the one <laughs> with the keys here that's making things happen. It's This is the industry is just completely changing. Well, I, I spent a lot of time trying to find, or didn't have to try very hard. It was easy to find, to identify things about the way the world was changing that a reporter or an editor or an advertising salesperson would see as helpful, even if there were a number that did not seem as helpful. I had a a Pulitzer Prize-winning science reporter who didn't really see the value of putting his stories on the Internet until the day that he published a groundbreaking piece. And he came to see me the next day, and he said, you know, normally a month from now I'd be writing another story as people sent me, called me, or, or mailed me their reaction to what I'd reported. 
said, I've heard from them all today. I'll have another story in the newspaper tomorrow. Mm -hmm. This matters, doesn't it? And so he became an evangelist among his fellow specialist reporters for the broad impact that the Internet was made possible for differentiated important reporting. And it was looking for things like that, uh, the sports reporters understanding that when they were covering Michael Jordan, that people all around the world were interested in Michael Jordan and for the first time could read what they, the Chicago reporters, saw, observed on a nightly or daily basis. And they could, and could do it in a way that didn't depend on the press is rolling at four o'clock in the morning. And so journalists, one of the things journalists exist to do is to find stuff out and tell other people first. And so can you get there, even if it's not first and foremost printed words on a page? Well, when you see the impact, you can. Mm-hmm. So it's just a series of things like that. Yes, I know that the you know, in my heart of hearts, I know the margins are going to be depressed and it's going to be complicated, but can we get enough advantage from understanding what's going to happen? I'm not one that have have thought that first mover advantage mattered all that much. Mm-hmm. I've never thought that. I mean, Google was not first. Alta, right. <laughs> Alta Vista <laughs> and, and uh, Lycos were there first, but Google was better. You have to be fast, but you don't have to be first. You have to be convenient. You don't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Trying to find ways to communicate lessons like that, even as you see what it's going to mean to restructure the company around delivery systems instead of platforms. Mm-hmm. When you were kind of navigating these choppy waters, I know one of the reasons that you're here tonight is is uh, knowing Dr. David Morrison can you talk about the importance of having a channel for somebody who's an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur to to have that outlet, I guess, or be able to kind of have that self-reflection, you know, and, and a partner to have a conversation with to um, keep moving on? Well, you know, Davin, there were a lot of interesting and important things that emerged from having Davin to talk to, but the one that mattered the most and that I used – hundreds, literally hundreds of times, thousands of times in the ensuing years, was that he explained to me after a couple of weeks of conversations that I had a real advantage in the business I was in, in that he'd never encountered anyone who was as comfortable with ambiguity as I was. And obviously the internet in the 90s was a very ambiguous enterprise. We thought We knew where it was going, but on a day-to-day basis, how could you tell? I said, oh, great. I should feel good. And he said, well, no, actually. (laughs) Actually, what you need to understand is that you will never encounter anyone else who's as comfortable with ambiguity as you are. You have to compensate for this and help people who need certainty to find certainty in the midst of the ambiguity. Wow. Wow, what a powerful idea. And... I restructured my methods of communication with both bosses and subordinates in ways that recognized that in order to cope with all this change, they had to find something to grab onto. 
And that resulted directly from the ability to have a conversation about people rather than about technology, about relationships rather than about news and advertising. Yeah, the psychology and sociology of interfacing with those folks that were going through that with you. Very interesting. What would you say to the, whether it be a tech entrepreneur or an entrepreneur that's out there shaking up an industry, what would be your uh, your words of wisdom for them? I'd say, listen, far too many entrepreneurs that we read about in negative coverage in the newspapers and on the websites that cover that industry, the ones who get in trouble are the ones that I perceive as not listening. I mean, the SEC told Elon Musk, you must have your tweets cleared, no matter how innocuous you think they are, if they, could, if they touch on your business at all. Mm-hmm. He chose not to listen to that, and so now he's got, he's got a... <laughs> a request in front of a, a judge to hold him in contempt, and that could that could put a hole below the waterline of Tesla, the absence of Elon Musk. Yeah. And so he made a decision that he was entitled to make, but did he make the right one in the context of what it needed to keep that ship afloat? There will always be some genius entrepreneur who thinks he or she doesn't doesn't need to listen or thinks that he or she can drown out other voices. I think that would have been that that would be Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. Who thought that she who thought she had a great story that would resonate with people who also didn't want to get stuck with needles and thought that she was just loud enough about that that she could do something financially rewarding. Mm-hmm. She should have listened <laughs> instead of tried to drown out the people who are asking questions. And that's just, that's, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of either. I've, I've never met either one of those people, but one of the points I made when asked how I navigate through all this and have, I, I told the audience that I read obsessively and comprehensively. And it's through that kind of reading and assessment of what I read and seeking patterns and uh, insights that I'm able to make ans- to answer questions like that that you posed to me. Yeah, and the importance of not only educating yourself, but you know how we t- speak at Enclave often about the influencers and how important they are to the folks that are you know the ones that are steering the ship and making those decisions. And perhaps if uh, some folks had people out there that were thinking about things a little differently and genuinely cared about them, there might be a, a different route they would have gone. Yeah, I just I, I I don't see the downside of listening. You may get information that you later feel free to dismiss. You may get information that upsets you or upsets your business model. But you may also be confirmed in your decisions by analysis of why the contrary information you were given actually is not correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all starts with, I think it all starts with listening and with a certain amount of humility. I mean, I think sometimes people pay too much attention to what I say because my voice is commanding. It is. That's the and, first thing I noticed about you, actually. And um, I have to sometimes say, just because I sound certain and uh, doesn't mean 
that there's certainty in everything I say. Orson Welles sounded pretty convincing <laughs> on the War of the Worlds broadcast, but we really shouldn't have taken that at face value exactly. if we were listening on the radio that night. Yeah. Anything else that I uh, didn't touch on that you think is important to note before we uh, sign off here? Well, I, I just think that entrepreneurs need this sort of place, these sorts of people to talk to, to connect with, and to listen to. I don't want to leave here not saying that while networking is important, it's what you do with those people in the network that matters. That you don't go to Harvard or Northwestern in order to get access to the network. You go to Harvard or Northwestern because when you get access to the network, you have the opportunity to listen to people who can help you make better decisions and a better life. Awesome. Thank you very much. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. In order for companies that are decades old to remain relevant, they must innovate. However, the precarity of navigating uncharted waters will create tension and stress as you alter the status quo. By applying empathy and allowing ourselves time to break away from the noise to self-reflect, we can turn the ambiguity of change into the certainty of innovation. Join us on the third Wednesday of every month for a masterclass in applied metacognition at Enclave O'Hare. For more information, please visit Enclave for Entrepreneurs.com.